Hi everyone, welcome to the NAS Heroes podcast, where we talk to caregivers, leaders, and researchers working on neonatal abstinence syndrome. This podcast is sponsored by Propella. I'm your host, Amanda Shea, the Director of Marketing at Propella. In this episode, I am chatting with Dr. Petafar. Dr. Petafar is a professor and the chair of the Department of Neurology at the Dell Medical School and principal investigator of SVS for Infant Health. He previously served as professor and executive vice chair of the Department of Neurology at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and as an associate faculty member of the Weiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering at Harvard University. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Petafar. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, It's a pleasure. Um, uh, I am um, a neurologist, uh, which is um, a medical specialty uh, directed to uh, disorders of the nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord, um, the muscles, the nerves. Um, So uh, that's my area of specialty. And I'm also a neuroscientist and um, have worked in the field of uh, how the brain controls breathing um, and other uh, functions of the body. And um, I know you've been involved with Propella for some time, and I know that started with uh, SVS. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about what SVS is and how you first um, came across it? My history behind this really uh, was uh, accidental, serendipitous. And um, back in the um, mid eighties, I was a, a medical student and, um, and I was working in the Department of Physiology uh, after my medical degree doing a, uh, uh, it started in medical school and I continued after I graduated from medical school and before my training in, in neurology. And at that time I was uh, studying uh, newborn animals and how they breathe. And I was very interested in the, um, the fact that a newborn uh, is not fully developed and their brain is not fully developed. And specifically the part of the brain, which is the brain stem mm-hmm. is underdeveloped and they don't have uh, mature adult patterns of breathing. And uh, I was very motivated by the mystery of sudden infant death syndrome and um, you know, it, trying to come up with a, an explanation for why uh, the infant is so vulnerable to um, stopping their breathing while they're asleep. And I was studying newborn uh, rats and other um, newborn mammals, and really just trying to understand how the brain stem coordinated their breathing. And uh, when I was setting up those experiments, um, I noticed that um, with flawless surgical procedure, getting the, the, um, the nerves and the brainstem, everything isolated uh, to be recorded, um, we could actually, um, I was able to get beautiful recordings of the, um, the nerve that controls the diaphragm, which is the breathing, one of the main breathing muscles. And 
get nice rhythmic activity on the phrenic nerve. And that corresponds to the, the uh, nerve that is controlling breathing in the newborn. And it was just really amazing to see that uh, nice rhythm. And then it would just mysteriously stop occurring. And I would think, oh, there must be something wrong with the surgical preparation. And I was a postdoc at that time. And I was very worried that I wasn't making progress in my research. And so it seemed like one failure after the next that with flawless surgical technique, um, the rhythm would occur and then it would just stop. And then I noticed that um, sometimes it would stop and then it would start back up again. And again, these are all recordings from the nervous system and um, in an isolated uh, nervous system where there's, it's just the brain stem and spinal cord. So it's very isolated tissue. The, the part that was serendipitous and really surprising was that um, after a lot of troubleshooting, uh, we discovered that it was actually the water heater. When the water heater would turn on uh, next to the um, surgical table, the vibrations, the very small vibrations, which you could barely feel with your hand, would transmit to the surgery table and to the uh, sensory receptors of the, um, of the preparation um, and would stimulate the brain stem to begin making its rhythmic activity that would control breathing. And this was really a very surprising finding uh, showing that very tiny amounts of uh, vibrotactile vibro stimulation getting into the nervous system through the sensory receptors can actually um, bring back fully normal breathing that's controlled by the brainstem. Doesn't even involve consciousness. These are, this is really an isolated brainstem preparation. So that was a new thing for me. Um, and it turned out that it was new in the field and it really launched um, uh, much of my scientific work after that. And really the next uh, 20 years and more was spent trying to understand the mechanism of that. Why would such a tiny, tiny, barely, um, perceptive, per barely perceived stimulus uh, transmitted as a vibration cause the nervous system to reactivate and control and improve breathing. And so that, was the original scientific discovery. Um, and then subsequently over the next uh, years, we uh, studied other um, animal models. And then we decided at that point, and now I'm fast forwarding to the mid nineties at uh, St. Elizabeth's Medical Center in Boston, we decided to try the same um, vibrotactile stimulation protocol in uh, newborn infants in the hospital. And we decided to study uh, preterm infants who commonly have problems with uh, maintaining rhythmic breathing. And um, while they're resting, they can suddenly stop breathing and trip the alarms and drop their oxygen and cause the nursing staff and the physicians to um, implement resuscitation. And some of those infants end up going on a ventilator. Um, so preterm infants are very susceptible to this kind of immature breathing pattern. 
and we um, started evaluations to see if uh, very tiny amounts of vibrotactile stimulation to those infants could uh, reduce the incidence of these um, uh, pauses in breathing. The, the name for this kind of pause in breathing that's dangerous is called an apneic pause. Mm-hmm. And apneic pauses lead to drop in oxygen and can be uh, life-threatening to these uh, preterm infants. And uh, preterm infants, as many of your listeners will know, are commonly hospitalized for many, many weeks in a neonatal intensive care unit um, because of the complications of prematurity. And one of the most common complications is apnea and they must be under close observation to to, um, enable the nursing staff and the physicians to um, treat those those apneic pauses. So that's really how it started. It started with an accidental discovery and led to something that was really a bit more practical. And um, other aspects of my work involved developing um, uh, biophysical and mathematical models on how this how this uh, vibrotactile stimulus actually um, can be harnessed optimally to stimulate the um, neural circuit. This is a neural circuit in the brainstem that drives the rhythmic breathing um, to sustain it during sleep. Wow, that's and that's so interesting that it happened kind of like you said, accidental. And now fast forward, you know, decades later, and and all the research that you've done. So that's. That's really amazing. And well, you know, I, I, I appreciate what you said, but you know, it's always good to reminisce on yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, that those first few months of my postdoctoral fellowship when week after week, it was frustratingly no progress because mm-hmm. the newborn animal uh, model, this is a, an isolated preparation, the experiments were, were a failure I thought they were a failure because I couldn't get rhythmic breathing to do any experiments. But in fact, that was the clue to this discovery. And it was, and who who would have known that the water heater would be the explanation for that? And who would have thought that tracking down the vibrations, the subtle vibrations that are coming through that water heater to the animal was really what was driving the whole thing. And that that just is a good lesson, I think, for the importance of, um, you know, as as many uh, philosophers um, have said, that chance favors the prepared mind. And what seemed like a frustration and and a failure turned out to be the clue every day that that frustration was felt was actually a message that there's actually a clue here and a discovery that can be made. And so that was an interesting part of my training and as not only as a scientist, but as a physician and just how to think about life in general is that there are things around us that are so obvious, but we're not seeing it. And, and that was really what was uh, quite magical about that. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's a very cool story and in, in kind of the, the background on how SVS was um, essentially developed and, and, you know, that's, that's very neat. With the focus of this podcast being neonatal abstinence syndrome, um, what does SVS do for NAS babies? Well, you know, that's great, a great question because it leads to another serendipitous or <laughs> accidental discovery, which is um, now come to the um, 
you know, 2000, year 2000, 2005, um, we, we decided to launch a trial, a clinical trial of SVS in preterm infants, you know, launching off the early observations at St. Elizabeth's Medical Center in one infant. But then we said, well, we really need to, we really need to really study this in more systematically. And during the course of those studies, um, Dr. Elizabeth uh, Block Salisbury, who at that time um, was uh, with my laboratory and um, was um, uh, part of the study, Dr. Salisbury was uh, talking to one of the nurses in the, um, in the neonatal ICU. And um, the nurse said, you know, can you use this method to calm babies? I mean, we have a lot of babies who have neonatal abstinence and they're extremely irritable. What about using this to calm the babies? And Dr. Uh, Block Salisbury came to me and, and we had a nice discussion about it. And we said, you know, let's try it. I mean, it sounds like a great idea. We don't really know exactly how it would work, but let's try it. And uh, she, she uh, Dr. Block Salisbury um, led that study and ultimately that launched her career and uh, she is leading um, uh, an, 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 a large NIH-funded uh, 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 study to um, really uh, optimize the use of SVS to calm uh, babies who are undergoing, uh, uh, who are extremely irritable from abstinence uh, from uh, being uh, opiate exposed in utero. And uh, this is obviously an extremely important common problem during pregnancy and following pregnancy with the birth of an infant who is withdrawing from uh, opiates after being exposed for many months in utero and now uh, requiring morphine with all the risks and prolonged hospitalization that complicates those infants' lives. And um, the early results, uh, while Dr. Salisbury and I were working closely together, were extremely exciting on the use of SVS to um, reduce the symptoms and the irritability of abstinence. And, um, and then Dr. Salisbury um, uh, launched her career and now has been uh, an independent investigator, really contributing greatly to this area. But yeah, how that works is an interesting question in, in terms mm -hmm. of why does the same stimulus that um, stabilizes uh, rhythmic breathing of the preterm infant. Why does that same stimulus have such a dramatic effect in calming um, infants uh, who are undergoing abstinence and extremely irritable? Um, so that is an interesting scientific question that um, it, it can be posed. And, and it, the answer is, is not known. And, and there's much interest in why that occurs and how to optimize it. It's all very, um, you know, interesting to kind of think about. And I know that there's still, as you said, Dr. Uh, Salisbury is still cur currently doing some research. And um, I know some of that research will, I think, believe to be released in the next year. So that will kind of cue us in on, on um, how the, the product is utilized and with these uh, babies and, and, you know, um, the impact it has on them. What is your hope uh, for the future in terms of SVS technology? 
Yeah, so there's a lot of real um, open questions and ways to improve the technology to make it more um, effective. I think I would put it in a couple categories. One is how can we optimize the actual treatment? Uh, we, we, we can see improvements in various physiological functions such as breathing and, um, and the calming effect in abstinence. Um, and so how do these, how, how can we actually optimize that and find uh, really the, the, the most effective um, uh, setting for the SVS? Um, what's really surprising is um, SVS is an example of, um, of, of, of something that is increasingly recognized in medicine, and that is less can be more. And, um, uh, you know, one philosophy of medicine is that, you know, you, if you want to treat something, uh, generally more is better. You know, you want more treatment, um, more vitamins, more antibiotics, more, you know, whatever it is. Um, the thing that's really interesting about SVS is that less can be more. And um, just to give you a quick example, the, um, the level of vibration that we're talking about, which uh, stabilizes breathing in preterm infants and calms the, um, the irritated infants in abstinence syndrome, the level of vibration is on the order of one or two red blood cells. That is the mattress surface is displacing um, the vibration itself and the movement of the surface of the, of the mattress is on the cellular level. It's down to about two red blood cells and, um, or less, and it's barely perceptible. And um, the, there's a lot of uh, uh, scientific work on the theory behind SVS and why less is more. And you get bigger effects when you actually have smaller uh, levels. Now, there, there's a limit to that. I mean, obviously, obviously, if you turn it way, way down, it's like turning it off. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some level of SVS, but just turning up, turning it up more is not necessarily going to improve uh, the performance of SVS. And a good example of that is if there's too much vibration, that could make an infant more irritable, not less. And so the calming effect of SVS or the improvement in breathing and autonomic stability, the control of the heart rate and the breathing um, has a sweet spot of, um, of a very small level. Um, and, and so that's another very interesting aspect that I think we're, we're um, making a lot of progress in understanding that and fine tuning it. Uh, and I think that's still um, something that, uh, you know, um, more experience with it in um, uh, it, it, it will will be very valuable in improving it further. The other is actually the technology itself, the hardware, um, the mattress, making it as thin as possible, the actuators, that is the the um, the device that creates the small vibration, and making it as thin and small as possible, and um, you know, optimizing the actual um, hardware itself. Um, and then I think the third area of opportunity is to um, personalize and individualize uh, the treatment so that we, we can see the improvements in every single infant, that we have outcome measures that are meaningful, 
uh, to parents, to clinicians that can be tracked and measured and easily understood that yes, it's actually working and um, that this is uh, going very well and we, we wish to continue it. So I think that those are the three areas of great opportunity that I think um, are, are ahead. Definitely. And, and, you know, there's always room for innovation. And like you said, um, making the product a little bit smaller. And so it can be a little bit more accessible, easier to ship, easier to bring into hospitals um, for you usage too. Um, so the great thing is, is that it's a really upstanding product and the the sky's the limit in terms of innovation and um, capability in terms of what we can do with the product. So it's really exciting. And, you know, as a treatment for NAS, I mean, it's, it's super major because as you know, there's no standardized treatment out there right now. So um, to have something to help these, the doctors and the nurses um, and even the caretakers, um, I think is, is invaluable in, in the market and what we need right now. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Petafar. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And um, I hope that the audience out there learns a little bit more about SVS and your work. Um, and again, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, joining the podcast and talking to your listeners as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm.